Welcome, everyone, to the Food, Farms, and Chefs radio show with restaurant industry author Kevin Wilson, highly acclaimed chef Gene Blum, and food photojournalist Amaris Pollock. Join them as they interview the biggest names in the restaurant industry, tell you about the latest food trends, and give you recipes and cooking tips, too. So let's get the show started. Welcome to our listeners around the world via the podcast and on our Facebook podcast platform. Our listeners on our FM station in New York and our listeners on our two Philadelphia radio stations. It's Tuesday evening drive time for you. We have a great show today, so let's get the show started. Hi, everyone. I want to introduce you to Clara Park, who is the owner and the person behind Clara Park Cooks. Clara, thank you for joining us on Food Farms and Chefs. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) So um, I only just met you and I can say that you already have are like a bubble of energy and, you know, it seems like you're a go getter. Um, So how are, you know, how did you get into the culinary world? You know, how are you tethered in? Where did you begin? Sure. Uh, so I went to Institute of Culinary Education in New York. We graduated January 2005. And then literally the next day, I moved to San Francisco. So <laughs> I started out at Restaurant Giridanko in San Francisco. Then I was at Town Hall. Then I moved to Napa. I worked with Richard Reddington at Red Restaurant. I was there for a couple of years. And then I really missed home. So then I moved back to the East Coast, uh, and I was in Philly at Osteria when they first opened up under Mark Vetri and Jeff Michaud. And then I sort of – so this is like, you know, 10, 12 years ago, and restaurants in Philadelphia were not, you know, where, like, kind of Napa, New York were at the time. So then I missed that kind of high-caliber cooking, so I moved uh, to New York, and I worked at Momofuku Co. under David Chang and Peter Serpico. And then I was um, taking garbage out at like one in the morning on a Saturday night and just emaciated and tired and carrying big bags of garbage. And I was like, you know, I don't think I want to do this anymore. So um, I transitioned to food media and I did um, cookbooks, recipe development, uh, restaurant reviews, product development. Um, I did corporate stuff. So I worked in the Campbell's Consumer Test Kitchen um, off and on for a while. And then, um, you know, restaurants are kind of like the mafia, like, every time you think you're out, they pull you back in. So seven years ago, uh, I did get pulled back in to a restaurant, which was Southgate, which was a Korean gastropub. And um, we won Best Burger in Philly 2016. So I'm like really, really proud of that because it's a Korean-inspired bulgogi burger. Um, so it was this literal mashup of Korean and American, um, you know, sensibilities into this really, really delicious, juicy, sweet and savory burger. Um, and then after that, um, I did stuff for uh, high-end like meat and foie gras and truffle sales. I did um, product development um, for uh, private label, so like sauces, marinades, dressings for like every grocer imaginable. So everyone who's listening has had a product that I've developed. You just don't know that I developed it. I can't tell you that I developed it because it's all private label. Um, and then uh, most recently, I was doing culinary development for um, a company that did uh, concepts and restaurants for uh, 10 major airports. So that was really cool to, you know, hey, let's do pizza, let's do Italian, let's do Chinese, let's do Middle Eastern, let's do Asian. Oh, and then do breakfast, lunch, dinner on a kid's menu. So you really had to kind of flex um, all your culinary muscles. And, um, you know, that was really challenging. But I think ultimately, you know, I think the pandemic really made you think about what you wanted and what was important to you. And um, 
for me, I wanted to work for myself. And so Claire Park Cooks has been, you know, my business, my entity, you know, off and on for the past like 10, 15 years, whenever I would leave a gig, um, I would, you know, do stuff on my own. And I'm really happy now being back on my own and um, doing projects. Like last week I did a knife skills class uh, for the Free Library of Philadelphia Culinary Literacy Center. Um, and then I also did a four course cooking demo on Korean cuisine at Old City Kitchen. So for me, as someone who, thank you for saying I'm a ball of energy, um, I love cooking, I love feeding people, I love teaching, and the way that I've structured my professional life, I can do a million different things for a million different groups of people, and it's different every week. And I really enjoy that versatility, those challenges, and ultimately that freedom. Now, um... I mean, get, obviously, yes, you have flexed your culinary muscles because, you know, everything that you've named where you've worked and, you know, the different parts of like the working parts of the, the culinary industry, like you were in every single cog, it almost seems like. Um, so what was it like transitioning between the different roles that you were playing, um, either as a chef or as, you know, somebody who is creating, you know, the sauces and, you know, working with suppliers to, to bring about something that can be mass produced that everyone can enjoy? Uh, I think the two words I would use, it's extremely humbling and it's extremely challenging. So I think anytime I switched to a new job or new aspect of culinary, it was like starting all over. Like I didn't know anything about manufacturing. I didn't know anything about sales. I didn't know anything about product development. And you literally have to kind of start at the bottom and say, I don't know how to do this. Um, so you can accept the challenge and, you know, just keep pushing yourself and like learn how to do things. And like, you know, I have a lot of admiration for the thousands of different jobs you can have as a chef. And I think that, you know, people assume if you can cook in a restaurant, you can work anywhere. That's just not true. Um, and I think that you have to, you know, have a sense of humility. And it's like, okay, I don't know how to do a recipe template for a corporate situation. What's the best way to do that? And I think like, it's really hard. So whenever I would get into a new role, you know, things that I thought would take a couple minutes would take me hours. And it's really, really demoralizing to be really good at something and then to move into something else. And it takes you two hours to do it. But practice makes perfect. You keep going. And then obviously, whatever I decided to tackle, eventually I would be able to do it in a couple minutes. But I think that, um, you know, the way that our brains work, like neuroplasticity, that's also my old life. It was neuroscience. Like if you're not constantly challenging yourself, you're going to become static. And so I think uh, I love the opportunity to learn different things, you know, flex in different ways and just kind of push my skill set and push my limits. And I think, you know, um, I do feel confident at this point that like, you can kind of throw me in anywhere like Rambo and like, I'll figure it out. Like I'm going to make it through the culinary jungle of like whatever discipline or whatever the task is, but it's because I've had like a hundred jobs, but um, I'm totally grateful for that. 
I mean, okay, so I'm going to jump in and say I I started out doing all of this initially by writing recipes because I was in a position where I couldn't like, I couldn't, I wasn't very mobile at some point in time because I had been injured in my previous job. Um, yeah, and I had to like relearn to walk and everything. So I I kind of hopped on like the, the internet and started tweeting and then like, so, you know, and then I would start when I was a little bit more mobile, I would start creating recipes. Um, so I actually got gained like attention and that's kind of how I got pulled into this initially is by creating recipes and, you know, and putting them out there for people to follow. Now you also, you know, uh, partially part of what you do currently, you know, involves creating recipes and teaching people how to, to utilize them. But also you had mentioned that you were in the cookbook, you know, had gotten into cookbook industries, um, and, how difficult was it, you know, like learning to like have to stop, like write down like how much, you know, every portion is because I know I, when I started actually like coming up with the recipes, uh, it would be, it would take me 10 times longer to create something because I would have to stop and write down how much I did. Like, how was that for you? I agree with you a million percent. Again, I've met really, really talented chefs that like couldn't write a recipe for cereal and milk, right? It's a very different skill set. And I think, um, you know, when you get good at cooking, it's intuitive. Like you feel things, you taste things, you look at it and you're like, oh, it needs more salt, needs more fat, needs more whatever. Um, stopping to measure everything is so painful. Um, and then you got to like, is it ounces? Is it grams? Like, is it dry weight? Is it this? And I learned how to do recipe writing and cookbook, everything from Barbara Kafka. So she's like, oh, gee, you know, she's passed away. But she wrote 16 cookbooks and she was a task master. She'd be like, stop thinking like a chef. This recipe's horrible. No one knows what you're talking about because I'd say things like um, Blanche. She's like, don't say that. You know, don't say batonette. Don't say Juliet. Cut into matchsticks. And so you know, <laughs> when the oil is hot, she's like, what does that mean? And so I think it was a real gift to be pushed so hard by her. So now when I write recipes and I can write them in my sleep now because I've done like thousands, um, visual cue, time cue, like even like smell. So it's like place uh, two tablespoons of olive oil in a medium nonstick saute pan over medium high heat. When it shimmers, you know, add chicken, skin side down, drop away from you. You know, when you hear the sizzle, like blah, 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 it'll start to, you know, firm up on the edges and get like sort of, and so it's like, you have to give people all these, you know, visual, auditory, um, you know, uh, tactile cues so that they, they know what to do. And, and I think as chefs, um, I think everyone wants to write a good recipe, but for chefs, it's so second nature. It's like, how long do I bake the, you know, bake the chicken? Oh, till it's done. Cause, cause we know, right. Like, yeah. oh, does it smell done? Like, can I see it? Can I jiggle the leg? But there's so much, what is it, a priori knowledge that like the, the typical home cook doesn't have. And I think, um, you know, I'd say like half my friends are industry chefs, you know, creatives. And then the other half are like doctors, lawyers, like people like that. And I'm amazed at these brilliant people that make buckets of money that like, I'll watch them cook something. And it's like, what are you doing? And they're like, oh, everything takes such a long time. And like, oh, I hate chopping things and like, oh, and just watching them measure everything. It takes like forever. 
And so I understand why they don't like cooking. It's this huge task. It takes forever. And then a lot of times the recipes aren't super detailed. And so things will get messed up. And like one of my girlfriends, um, she's a brilliant pediatrician and she made some recipe and the recipe was horrible. Oh no. She and her two kids and her husband are like waiting for dinner and it was horrible. And she's like, I felt so bad. Everyone had been waiting so long for this dinner. So they're all hungry. She spent all this money at the grocery store. She spent all this effort and it was bad. And oh no. I, I was like, listen, you didn't do anything wrong. It sounds like it was a bad recipe. And she's like, how are you supposed to know? Like, yeah. <clears throat> You don't know. And I mean, I've, I've definitely followed alongside, um, via cookbooks, um, some famous chefs have create, you know, who have put out cookbooks and some of them, like, I'm like, Ooh, I didn't really like that. Like there was literally one night I cooked for, um, my friends and her family and made two recipes out of the same cookbook by the, obviously the same person. Um, and I won't name names, but it's like one recipe was like, Oh, this is really good. And the second one, I, when I was going through, I was like, eh, I don't know about this. And so I was like tweaking as I went and um, instead of just following suit, because I like to follow, just straight follow to like get the initial. Uh, but this, like, I'm like, there's just not enough flavor in my opinion in this recipe. And so the one, the one that I followed, like straight up followed, wasn't nearly as good as the one that I tweaked. And I'm like, but you, like as a chef, like it's hard to like gauge like who, who's going to be like reader wise who who's going to be reading this and following along and again like you said is it easy is it not um to follow this recipe so it, it's amazing you know what goes into creating it and whether or not you know you put out enough information so that the reader or the person the home chef i lo- loosely termed <laughs> home chef can follow along um, now you also have transitioned into teaching people, um, via, via web, via, you know, Instagram, as you said, social media, Instagram, Facebook, and on your website. Um, so tell us a little bit about that. So I love to eat, but I also love to cook and teach people how to cook and eat better. And I think, um, you know, with cooking, like obviously behind me, there's like a hundred cookbooks, maybe 200, but. Um, it's great to read recipes, but I think cooking is, um, for most people much easier when you see it. So I think with like social media websites, just YouTube, uh, TikTok, I mean, TikTok cooking is like a, you know, it's a whole other like galaxy, which I think is amazing. Um, you get to show people, you know, how to do things. And so again, visual auditory. So it's like, you know, I'm going to make chicken milanese, like listen to the oil, look at the chicken, look how I'm breading it. Um, I think that it's um, a really great way to teach people how to cook. And I love how egalitarian it is. Like pretty much everyone can look on their phone. It's like, oh, how do I make a really good um, chimichurri or payard or, you know, kaibi or whatever. Um, And I I think it's, um, I really enjoy teaching. And I think people um, can sense that I enjoy the teaching. And so I think um, that's, that makes me a more effective teacher as opposed to someone who just feels like they have to do it or they're like, oh, I'm gonna make all this money. Uh, you're not gonna make a lot of money, just FYI guys. But um, if you love it, I think that that translates to you know, the people that are watching you. And I think ultimately, 
you know, cooking is an act of love. It's, it's feeding people. And I think you're sharing this love of feeding people um, when you're teaching them how to make like, you know, an elaborate meal or just even like a grilled cheese sandwich. And I'm also head of the Chef's Advisory Council for CCAP, which is Careers Through the Culinary Arts Program. And uh, the mission is to um, help underserved uh, students in major cities. So it's like New York, Philadelphia, DC, Arizona, Chicago, LA. And, um, you know, I do a lot of teaching with them. We do job training, uh, knife skills, culinary math, interview skills. And um, what I always stress to them is, no matter what you're making, you need to do your best. If I'm gonna make you a grilled cheese sandwich, it is gonna be the best damn grilled cheese sandwich you've ever had in your life. If I'm gonna make you a 10 core chef's tasting menu, it is also gonna be amazing. But one is not better than the other because ultimately feeding people, that is the greatest honor and that is the greatest gift. And um, I'm very like, you know, I love that. You know, if someone is celebrating something, you can cook for them and like, you know, make the celebration even better. If someone is really sad, you can make them something really delicious and they will feel better. If someone is, you know, COVID or flu, you can make them chicken <laughs> soup and they will feel better. So I really do think, you know, food is magical. I think food is medicine. Um, and I think that we don't harness that enough uh, in American culture, as opposed to, you know, I'm Korean American. Um, I was talking to a friend of mine about, you know, I wasn't feeling well. My dad's like, oh, you need chinzang. So he gave me like, 30 days of this chinseng like tonic, which like cost a fortune. And it looked like, you know, sewer sludge. And I drank oh, it no. for 30 days. And I was talking to my friend about it. And she's like, yeah, Clara, like every other culture, they do like herbs, they do food. And she was a teacher in Texas. And a lot of her students were Hispanic. And anytime anyone would get sick, you know, their abuelas would like make them some sort of herbal, you know, whatever to get better. And, and I think we've kind of, really <clears throat> moved away from that it's like oh I don't feel well I'm gonna pop a pill it's like yeah. well what could you eat better could you sleep better could you exercise is there something not pharmaceutical that you could do to improve your situation and anyway I'll, I'll get off my soapbox now pharmaceutical companies are getting right now <laughs> No, no, it's all right. And, and we have no sponsors that, you know, are pharmaceuticals, you know, so it's fine. <laughs> um, but I mean, I, I have to agree with you. I definitely um, believe in herbal remedies. My, my mother um, got into that when I was younger. And so it's a huge, it's a huge thing for me. It's ridiculous because I have like, <laughs> I have this huge selection of like herbal remedies that I, um, that I, are my go-to when I get sick. As you can hear, I'm like still congested, but um, but like, so echinacea is like my top one. Um, yeah. But uh, but yeah, it's in, like you had said chicken soup if you're, if you have a cold. For me, I actually love um, pho when I have, yeah. when I get sick. Yes, I love it. Cause it, and it has so much like, cause it's the bone broth. It's, you know, all of the, the greens that are in there that kind of stew into like that nice broth that has like it's 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 umami you know it, it tastes really good yeah exactly and the rice noodles and then you know you can choose what what protein you want um whether you're vegetarian you know with tofu or you you know if you want something like shrimp if you know you're a pescatarian or you know me I'm an omnivore so I like to actually switch it up um and but like it's 
it it makes you feel better and it's not just like the fact that it has all the nutrients it is like you said it's food is love and it gives you that warming sensation absolutely and a fun fact about pho it uses star anise as one of the aromatics and star anise is one of the only not proven but strongly correlated things to uh uh, shorten the duration of the flu. So Tamiflu, the medicine, actually has star anise in it. So, oh, that, I didn't know that. Now <laughs> they're like way ahead of us on that. Yeah, the more you know. <laughs> but like, how cool is that? It's like this spice that is in this beloved soup is also in this pharmaceutical because obviously it works. Yeah. Um, now, so you've also you had mentioned that you did the um, the Laura Eaton's Old City Kitchen um, did a tasting menu there. So do we have? Can we find you? You know, doing any other you know classes um, in person, or um, do you have anything that's coming up soon? So I actually um, I can't talk about it, but I am going to be teaching somewhere for the next uh, like towards the end of May and beginning of June. But um, I recently like started freelancing again. So um, I do not have anything solid. Oh, I'm judging Burger Bash uh, in Atlantic City, uh, June 17th, 11th, anyway, 17th or 18th. That's at the Golden Nugget. And then um, I'm speaking um, at the Israeli Food Tech Conference, which is virtual. And then the date keeps changing because it's virtual now, but I want to say that's also um, in May or June. Um, I'm sorry, but if you want to find out, um, you can always follow me on Instagram at Clara Park Cooks. That is also my website. Um, I'm pretty good about uh, doing blasts about what's going on. Um, but yeah, I'm sorry. I, I, I don't have anything like it's Burger Bash, Israeli Food Tech Conference. I'm going to be tied up for teaching for about three weeks. And then, um, yeah, but I will definitely do a part two Korean uh, demo at Old City Kitchen again. Um, we just have to figure out the date. And then, yeah, so Instagram is probably the best way to kind of see what I'm up to. And it, there's always something brewing, so. Now, how, how would our listeners be able to, in, in addition to the, the, you know, the next installment of um, your Korean cooking at Old City Kitchen, um, where could they find you online to take a, to, to learn or take a class with you? Um, so you could go to uh, my website, www.claraparkcooks.com um, and Instagram, and um, also just email me. So it's just claraparkcooks at gmail.com. I actually do check my email all the time. Um, so I will be sure to, uh, you know, keep updates and schedules of, of what's going on. And um, yeah, it's really exciting. <laughs> it is exciting. And um, with Burger Bash, are, yeah. you know, will we be able to see uh, another like very popular Korean based burger for, for that? Or am I allowed to ask that? Or <laughs> uh, I'm actually judging. I'm not making a burger. Oh, you're judging. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so it um so the guys the guys at the golden nugget they do uh they had like wing wars which i was also a judge and it's so cool in the beginning you're like yeah all these wings i'm so hungry and then maybe like 22 wings later you're like oh my goodness but <laughs> we're not hardy judges we eat all of them we try all the sauces and um you know basically you shouldn't eat for like two or three days before you show up and then burger bash 
this is my first time judging it. I want to say it's probably going to be like 20, 25 burgers as well. So, you know, having judged other burger contests, um, there was one in Philly. Burger Brawl. Yes. So I was at Burger Brawl. I was doing a Korean burger demo and, um, you know, I got to kind of try everything and, you know, I thought I was being modest doing like a quarter of each burger. And then again, by like the eighth <laughs> one, you're like, oh my gosh, this is so much meat. And I think for those events, like the chefs don't care about how much you've had to eat. Like they want to win. So yeah. it's like blue cheese and like truffle aioli <laughs> and extra cheddar. And so all the burgers are super gluttonous and super heavy. So yeah, after like, eight or nine of those little bites you're just you want to die it's so much food it's delicious but it's so it is, yeah I, I I was um one of the judges like um not for like the main thing but there was like a uh, influencer side of of the judging yeah. and um I was one of them and like I we buddied up because we were like oh my god I get because we were like just give us like a quarter and like we buddied up because we were just like I I can't even eat that much so it would be like a tiny bite and the girl that I was like judging with I like made her eat most of the burger because I'm like I it's because it's a, it doesn't take me much to like ascertain like what the flavors are and the profile that you know and so I you know I I my suggestion is like take a little microbite like if you can to see, like yeah <laughs> so um but Clara thank you so much for joining us on Food Farms and Chefs it was such a blast talking to you and I look forward to seeing you online awesome well thank you guys for having me this was really fun thank you Clara <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Let's take a break and we'll be right back. To become a sponsor of our show and have your business or event promoted on every single podcast platform, two Philadelphia radio stations on Tuesdays at 6 p.m. evening drive time, an FM station in New York, and to the millions of Facebook users worldwide with access to the Facebook mobile app. Send us an email to either foodfarmsandchefs at yahoo.com or diningonadime at yahoo.com. And we're back. Amorous Pollock, introduce us to your fabulous guest. Hi, everyone. I want to introduce you to the owners of um, of Sunday's Homemade, who, which is in Berlin, New Jersey. Um, Nancy Co Coag, who is one of the owners, is on screen if you're watching YouTube. And her husband will be the voice of God if you're watching via YouTube, um, Philip Coag. So Nancy and Philip, thank you oh. for joining us. It's Kogan Amaris. Just so you know. Oh, Kogan. I'm sorry, Kogan. Uh, <laughs> um, so thank you for joining us. And uh, you guys used to actually own a uh, auto shop, auto or uh, auto parts store that was in the same location. What right. was what was that like transitioning between uh, doing that and now owning the ice cream business? Okay, uh, it was quite different. I can tell you that. Let, let me just take you back a little bit further. When we were kids, we were dating, and uh, this was in the seventies. And we planned to get married and we actually planned to go in the ice cream business. And my father-in-law uh, set up a meeting with Ann Bassett at Reading Terminal when she ran the show there. 
just to get us acquainted. And I guess he figured we'd be selling her ice cream anyway, make a long story short. We go there as kids and she, her first question was, what kind of food will you be serving? And we said, well, we didn't plan to sell food. And she said, oh, well, you're never gonna make it. And that, that kind of shot our, our goals at the moment. And, uh, and we kind of left the idea behind and we ended up going into the automotive business. My husband doing service in one location and I had an imported car parts place in Berlin where the ice cream parlor is now. And I did that for several years and I found that I really couldn't compete with the internet. And I said to my husband, I said, you know what? I wanna go into the ice cream business. I wanna actually do it. And he made it happen. He, we had to redo the property, uh, jump a lot of hoops with the townships, but we got going and my kids were in on it. They were all gung ho. And we ended up opening July of 94, which was later than planned because we missed half the season, but that's where it all started. And next year will be our 30th season. Oh, wow. Congratulations. Cause that's- And we made it without food, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, you, <laughs> that's because your ice cream is amazing. Um, and and I, I know that personally, which is part of the reason why you're on today is because I've experienced your ice cream numerous times and, you know, became a fan. Um, and it's just, it's so delicious and so like flavorful, the different things that you offer. But what was it like, the learning process on how to make ice cream? Because I know that you said you sat down with facets um you know and and then it was a no-go but uh what was it like starting to you know come up with the recipes well initially your your suppliers and the people that sell you the equipment they they show you the basics but if you you have to make it your own and very honestly i i learned by practice i learned by making mistakes and and it took a while it took it took several years before before I think I can say I honestly knew what I was doing. And, and if I still have customers, which I actually do from the original years, I'm, I'm very grateful to, for their loyalty, but it's a, it's a long process. You know, you, you, um, you make things one way, you make a mistake and that teaches you something. And, you know, one thing that has become important is to be consistent. And I've always used really good quality ingredients, uh, finding a dairy that, that supplies you with the best mixes is very important. And I went through dozens of those and, um, you know, finding what people like and, and trying to be quirky and uh, original. I never was for the exotic. Uh, as far as uh, like flour ice creams or cayenne pepper ice creams, because I never wanted to have something that appealed to, to such a small amount of people that it would sit. I looked for things that, that would sell. And, um, and I think we've, we have some, some flavors that are, that are, we've had since the beginning. We have a lot of others, you know, we bring them out and if they, if they stick, then they stick and we see what people like. And then we do also do a large business with our water ice. It's not quite as much as the ice cream, but I try to mimic the flavors of the water ice to be like the ice creams. And, you know, you, you can make a water ice with three, three ingredients. You can use sugar, flavor, and water. 
But if you do that, if you don't make it your own, I don't know how you stay in business. I, I, I think sometimes I try to overcomplicate it because many of my water ices will have, will have eight ingredients instead of three. You know, I, I, I figured I had to make it my own and I, I enjoy that and it's been challenging and it's enabled me to be creative. And uh, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I mean, you have definitely like been creative. I will say that one of my favorite ice creams um, and I go back for it over and over and over again, is uh, the Dark Side of the Moon and Sympathy for the Devil. Those are my two, you know, favorite ones that I go back for. And like, even when I, I think it's Sympathy for the Devil, when I add in, uh, or when I order it, I'm like a huge, like, peanut butter fan. So I, I always add, like, peanut butter. Um, oh, <laughs> Unless you're allergic. Yeah, yeah. Unless if you have um, food allergies, like it is phenomenal because um, it's it's loaded with so much flavor, and you have that dark, rich creaminess of your chocolate ice cream. That you know, I I honestly am surprised that you learn just by by like trial and error, like or trial by fire kind of thing. Because um, there there is numerous like places out there that teach ice cream classes. And the way, the quality and the consistency of your ice cream is phenomenal. Like I would have thought that you had been taught by like a professional um, that, you know, just their, you know, myopic like viewpoint was just like, let's teach people how to make ice cream. But, you know, no, you're, you're saying you learned it by trial and error, which is amazing. Well, <laughs> not just to stick in one second, but she won't say it. She has... She has a great knack for it. It just turned out that way. And uh, she's, she's, even she teaches other people how to do it sometimes, but they still can't do it the same way because they don't spend, they don't go with the details the way she does. And we got our son-in-law doing the same thing. It's because it, it's difficult. It's much more time consuming when you make something. It takes longer to prep. There's always a lot of prep work. And it's time consuming in most places, you know, you need to get it done quickly. Yeah. I always push to get it done quickly and I, we would battle about it, but she turned out she was doing it the right way. You, yes, you definitely are doing it the right way because it comes, it comes through when you're tasting it. Um, now, what are some of your more popular items that you, that you create that I, I haven't tried that I should go there and try? Do you mean the flavors? Yeah, the, most of the flavors we actually named after so, some of our favorite songs or, or, or bands. So I'm not sure if sometimes we would try to make the ingredients and the flavor of the ice cream to match the song. Like, um, well, Thunder Road, I would do the marshmallow was the road and uh, Dark Side of the Moon. Well, that's self-explanatory. We did London Calling. Mm -hmm. uh, and London Calling, uh, that has the Heath Bar, like London Heath Bar. And uh, You Too Crazy, well, that was the Irish band is Mint. You know, it's a mint base. Um, my, do uh, my daughter is a wonderful baker, uh, Elisa. She's my oldest daughter. She's the only daughter that is actually still in the business with us. Ah. And my husband, Olivier, he will be taking my my role actually he has he I work for him now 
but um, one Lisa flavor feels we, we did we did blondie, which is a butterscotch base, and she makes an amazing blondie. And she's a fish fan, and we did we just did a fluff head, and uh, that's a graham cracker base with marshmallow and and uh, white chocolate covered graham crackers. Um, let me see, what are the other ones come to mind? You did a John Bon Jovi one, I think, recently. You know what? I haven't. I have not done a John Bon Jovi one, but I'm thinking about that. Oh, you so should. I mean, it's Jersey. Yeah, it's Jersey, uh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, we just did another another Springsteen one, but I, oh, I that's the one yeah. that I thought. Yeah. Yeah, that was um, Eastery Truffle. <laughs> I changed it. That's a chocolate base, but we're going to change it to a white chocolate base. We haven't used white chocolate base yet. And then it's got a raspberry ripple through it and a brownie dough. And um, no, it's a lot of fun. You know what? I, I don't think if, if I didn't love this business, I don't think I could have still been in it after 30 years. I still look forward to going to work. And a sad day will be for me when I know that, that I'm going to be done. Yeah. <laughs> what can I say? But it will go on. It'll, it'll go on through my kids. Which is a good thing because I, I think I would cry if it wasn't still open. <laughs> it's like your it's like your baby, you know. So <laughs> you take um, a lot of pride in it. And you should. And you know, speaking of taking pride in it, uh, you actually have garnered the attention of some of the most like established foodies in the area. And you've won awards from, I believe, like South Jersey Magazine and NewJersey.com recognized you guys as one of the top uh, ice cream places. And in it, you have every right to, to have that ownership of those award it, uh, awards. Um, and I know that you have it inside your, your business because when I walked in the first time I walked in, I was like, oh, you know, this must be a good place. And then I tasted your ice cream and I was like, I'm coming here forever. <laughs> um, yeah. So, you know, what, what are we, you know, seasonally, what are we going to look for, you know, next for, from you guys? Because I know you have a couple of um, specialty ice creams that are out right now that are being scooped. What, you know, what are we going to look forward to, you know, in the, the next few months? Well, soon the, the blueberries will be out and, and my daughter again, make, makes a wonderful shortbread and we did something with a blueberry and a shortbread. Um, and then let's see. I don't know. I don't know. I guess I have to think of some other. I, we, I just made a, uh, a flavor that I tried once a couple of years ago and I brought it back. It's a mocha ice cream with uh, chocolate covered espresso beans and, and chocolate chunks. Mm. Uh, so it's, it's a little bit more intense than the coffee, although the coffee is pretty intense. <laughs> uh, and we'll, we'll see how that goes. You know, what, what? The name. Oh, Hava Java. Yeah, that, <laughs> that's something that I don't know. The name came to me. I said, Boy, if I ever had a coffee shop, I'd call it Hava Java. I said, I got to do an ice cream called Hava Java. Oh, that's so, cute. So you okay. still can tie back to that. Yes. Um, now, is it, what is it like kind of looking and reflecting back from when you, you know, first started? Actually, even predating that when you were when you were looking to start and then you know kind of had that forlorn moment where you're like oh maybe I shouldn't and now as successful as you are like what is it like through the years um you know learning and and just 
looking back and seeing what you've achieved? Well, I think honestly, you you have to keep your humility. And I certainly do. If, if I had a hundred people compliment the ice cream, it's the one criticism that I remember. That's what gets to me. You know, how can I make that better? Or you take it very personally. I probably shouldn't, but I do. And I, and I know that I'm only as good as my last ice cream cone. You know, I always felt that way. So, so if you say we're six, you know, we, we do have a strong business and I'm very proud of it. Um, but yeah, it, 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 it can keep you humble too. So, <laughs> keep, you know, you, and you keep up the consistency. That's, that's important. You know, you don't, you don't shortchange people on cut back on your ingredients. You know, with, with inflation, everything's gone up quite a bit. Yeah. We had to take an increase like everybody else and kept it to as minimum as we could, but um, it's, a it's, it's a challenge. It's a challenge because I don't want to cut the quality and I don't want to give less ice. You know, people expect a certain portion and they, and I don't want to disappoint them. And, and, you know, we just do our best. We do our best and hopefully everybody's, or most people are happy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I kind of don't know anybody who would pull up to an ice cream shop and not leave happy. <laughs> but well, I do. It's about this business rather than the automotive business. Before they would come in, their cars broken down, or they need a it, new rotors or new whatever. And you know, here they're coming just to to get away from everything and and forget about the pro their problems and just enjoy something. I mean, it's a treat. It's not breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It's a treat. That's all it's supposed to be. And and if people enjoy it, then I've I've accomplished what I set out to accomplish. With plus, if I can make a living at it, that's even better. <laughs> I mean, and you certainly have made a living out of it. And like, I, as I said, people, like anyone who's, no, who's tasted your, your ice cream, like they keep coming back. Like I've actually introduced um, some of my friends because I travel all over the place and I have a lot of friends in Philly. I've introduced some of my friends in Philly to, uh, to your ice cream. And they're like, the minute that they did, they were like, crap. Cause they're like, now I have to go there. Like, so now I have friends who literally drive like an hour and a half just to go get your ice cream. Um, that's how good you guys are. Thank you so much. That means a lot to me. It really does. <laughs> now, have you ever, um, given like your popularity and by all means, there are times when you like go visit Sunday's homemade and you see, cause they have a drive through. They literally have a drive through. Um, if you're listening at home, um, and it kind of wraps around their, their, uh, ice cream parking lot, but there are times when you guys are like, you are so popular that there's a line that kind of runs out onto 73 because people love your ice cream so much. Have you ever thought to expand like a, to a second location or, um, join, you know, the, the whole gold belly, like ship, you know, ship nationwide kind of, you know, idealism? I, I think that if it comes, that if we were to expand, that'll be my son-in-law's. Uh, oh, we have, we've, been, we've looked, we've had trouble finding a location that would suit our business. It's, it's a lot harder than, yeah, you know, yeah. Okay. So as you were saying, Philip, um, that you guys have, have looked for a second location, um, but with given, you know, location and the prices and whatnot, um, it's been a little difficult. So, uh, it hasn't been so much the prices. It's 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 what our business requires. I mean, we 
we need a lot of parking. Uh, we'd like to have a drive-through for it. That's the tough part. That's that's a tough part. So in most cases we look beyond that, but we're not we're not a big name. We're not you know a, fr- a large franchise, and so um, it's more difficult for people like us to get into the kind of location we require. It's it's difficult, and then there's the health issue. There's always a health issue. Yeah, so, that's major in this business. So it it, it 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 becomes a challenge, and and every time we try, we have certain difficulties, and we decide we'll rethink about it next year. Yeah, my son-in-law has said said many times he'd like to expand, and he intends to, but that'll probably be him. You know, we're, we started this business; we were in our thirties. Now, now we're in our sixties. You know, so. <laughs> And, and my, my, my other daughters, my youngest daughter and my middle daughter, um, they're not local anymore. Although my, my middle daughter, who said she would look to get as far away from the food business as possible, has been in the food business in one way or another for uh, her whole adult life. And, and now, actually, she is a VP of sales for a company called Santel in Manhattan, who design and supply kitchens. So she's, she's right in there. She's you know? still tethered into it. <laughs> and then my, my younger daughter, she's a CFO of an energy company and she's out in Colorado. And my oldest daughter is, uh, she's, like I said, she's with my son-in-law and they, they pretty much run the business now and, and they do a great they job. They do all the hard work. Yeah. 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 And I, I saw that they're, I think it's their children that, uh, that create some of the little ads or whatever for, uh, for your ice creams that, that oh, get. I, I do that. Well, she's, she's, the, she's, she's talking about the photographs and stuff of her. Oh, they're, they're pictures. I thought she meant the caricatures in the Facebook. Okay. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. She did one come that was, that was a masterpiece that was better than anything I've ever done. And so. <laughs> talent but believe me they will be working there like my kids were when they're when they're probably 10 years old (laughs) all right well i i appreciate everything that you guys have put into the quality and the um love behind the ice creams that you guys create in your small batches um and i appreciate the um the the fact that there's been so many years allocated to um you know creating the flavor profiles that we can all enjoy. Um, now, where can our listeners, you know, find you online and where can they, you know, follow you? And uh, of course, where can they enjoy your, your amazing ice creams? Oh, you want the address, the exact address? Yeah. You, yeah. Facebook. Oh yeah. Well, we're on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, under, under Sunday, Sunday's, Sunday's Homemade. homemade. And the website is uh, uh, Got Sunday's Homemade LLC. Got Sunday's Homemade. Is it homemade? Yes, it's gotsundayshomemade.com, I believe. Yeah. And, um, and my son-in-law started a whole online ordering that, that <laughs> alleviates the need for you to, you know, you can call ahead or, I mean, you place your order ahead and have it, we'll have it ready for you, which, which became uh, so necessary during the pandemic because all we had was the drive. Thank goodness we had the drive through. <laughs> so that was, I, it was crazy then. It was crazy times. 
Yeah, it was definitely crazy times, but you guys made it through the pandemic um, and you still were coming out strong because as I said, like everyone who knows you guys loves your ice cream. So it's always a positive thing, you know, and you brought a smile to everyone's faces. <laughs> Thank you so much. I appreciate it. I really do. No problem. Thank you so much for joining us, both to you and your husband, Philip. Um, and I look forward to the next flavors that, uh, that you come out with. I'll be working on them. Absolutely. <laughs> thank, right. you. thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Let's take a break and we'll be right back. Tune in to Dining on a Dime to hear from Gene Blum, our chef, educator, consultant, and historian. You can find him across social media at ibfoodie2 or Gene Blum at ibfoodie2 at yahoo.com. And you can also tune in to listen to Amaris Pollock and find her across social media at arpollockus at gmail.com. And we're back. Amaris Pollock, take it away. Hi, everyone. So I am doing one last big push for the Women Against Abuses Dish It Up. Um, it is a huge event that is happening at Lincoln Financial Field uh, on May 18th between 6 p.m. Uh, sorry, 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. Uh, and if you want the VIP reception, that is actually in the 5 to 6 p.m. Um, time frame. And then 6 to 9 p.m. is going to be your regular like general tickets. But it is the main event. It is going to be so many, so many women chefs that are in the culinary world who are going to be showing their skills, being highlighted between sweet and savory. Um, you, you know, and there's going to be dishes that are made that are, you know, vegan, that are probably gluten-free. Um, and you're going to be interacting with everyone, you know, in who's a hot spot in the culinary world. Um, there's going to be uh, Telemundo 62's anchor Beline Smolier, who is going to be hosting um, and emceeing it, along with some of the big names within the Philadelphia area chefs um, that are competing, such as Jessica Bose, who is the nothing but bunt cakes. Um, they she makes these delicious cakes from scratch in her um in her establishment and has become a huge popular destination for desserts rebecca foxman who is from fox and sons fancy corn dog um she's going to be competing along with sharonda harris bunton who is vegans are us and then julia klein who is from la, la, la Colum. um she obviously you know the brand you know the coffees if you're in the philadelphia area and even they sell la Colombe all over the place so if you've ever had la Colombe, it is amazing you know so she's going to be there competing and then obviously you've heard some of the chefs that are going to be on um that are going to be competing because they were on our show previously georgia and leaning who is the executive chef at foodie hall will be there cooking up um some something amazing. Emily Shalou, who is the executive chef at Cry Baby Pasta, Bridget Foy's, uh, one of Bridget Foy's restaurants. She's going to be there cooking up some something. 
She teased us a little bit last week um, and Victoria Tyson from Victoria's Kitchen is going to be there. And then for those of you who are, you know, NFL sports fans, we are going to be obviously at one of the stadiums. Troy Vincent, who is the NFL Pro Football Hall of Fame nominee and a Philadelphia Eagles Hall of Fame inductee. Um, and currently he is the executive P VP of football operations in the National Football League. He will be there um, as along with his wife, Tommy Vincent, who is the host of Stay a While podcast and Stay a While cooking show. They're there as the advocates of the year. Um, you know, both of them have been afflicted by abuse in some well in some way and have stories. Um, and just to clarify, Troy has never laid hands on anyone. So do not think that that story comes from there, but, um, but he has had a situation where, you know, he has, has a history where, of that. And so does Tommy, his wife. So um, if you know anyone or, you know, or are currently being, you know, need, have need to, you can contact Women Against Abuse and they have a, um, a line for you to reach them at to give out help and give out aid to anybody who has been a victim of domestic abuse. Um, so, but getting back to the event, it is a huge deal. It is an amazing event that is going to be, you know, offering up different dishes um, that are just highlighting the skills and talents of these chefs that are, you know, coming to help support the, the cause. And I don't know if you've ever been to one of these events, Kevin, but I have. And I, you know, it's just amazing some of the dishes that they come out with. Um, and like, it's, it's a variety. So it's something for everyone. Um, and then if you would like to purchase tickets, you can go to womenagainstabuse.org and you can purchase either the VIP tickets, which gets you, um, there an hour early and also you get to tour the inside of Lincoln Financial Fields, um, the, where the players get ready. And then um, you have an all access pass, uh, obviously, you know, during like during that first hour in order to see, see all the, meet and greet all the chefs um, and see what they're coming up with. And generally speaking, like every, every time that I've gone, they've had a specialty cocktail too. So, you know, see if there's a specialty cocktail that, that is going to be offered up during that event. Um, and then for anybody who is a young professional um, in this industry, there is a discount um, ticket for you available, which is $75. Um, so you, if you are a young professional, you can get a, you know, discounted ticket at $75. Um, and then, you know, for the general, the general tickets, it's $150. It's going to a great cause and you are going to have a lot of fun. Um, and so we do hope to see you there because it's a great cause. And you can uh, eat. So Amherst, you're telling me I can eat from some of the finest female chefs in this entire area, plus support a great cause. That's great. Yes, it is a huge deal. And it is like, I mean, where, where else can you go where you're going to have so many talented chefs from Absolutely. this area? Absolutely. 
Um, so I'm, I know I'm looking forward to it. I'm sure that you're looking forward to it and you can come meet Kevin Wilson and myself, Amaris Pollock, um, while we will be there. We'll um, be doing a live show. We're going to do a live show from there. This is great. Exactly. So, um, you can come, you can enjoy the, the food, you can enjoy the ambiance, you can enjoy the cocktails, um, you can meet all the different chefs and, you know, speak with some of, hey, maybe you want to speak with some of the, the judges who will be there. We're going to have, you know, some of some of the judges are, you know, ta- like talented chefs as well. Kiki Arnita, who is one of the chefs at, who is the chef, I should say, at Poi Dog, she's going to be there as one of the judges. Um, and then Chef Barbie Marshall, who is a celebrity chef. We had, we've had her on. She's a friend of the show. She'll yes. be there. That's great. And, Exactly. And, you know, some of some of the other judges that are there, Marilyn Johnson, who is, you know, the proprietor of Philly Grub, um, and then Eddie Keels, who owns a little magazine that you might know as Philly Current. He's going to be there. David Spadaro is going to be there. He's an Eagles insider. Um, and then you have some of our, our local celebrity um, TV shows, uh, news channel anchors. We have Gina Gannon and Sherry Gregg, who is going to be there too as judges. So, I mean, the the environment and who you're going to be able to interact with and just, you know, the fact that you're doing something for a great cause and it's going to be an enjoyable night to wear your purple <laughs> in support of Women Against Abuse. So, come one, come all. We can't wait. And we're honored to be doing a live show from that great event. PhillyRestaurantReviews.com for all information about the show. Emerald Pollock. You can find me across social media at AR Pollockus, or if you would like to be a guest or a sponsor of the show, you can email me at arpollockus at gmail.com or foodfarmsandchefs at yahoo.com. And you can reach Gene Blum at ibfoodie2 at yahoo.com or follow him on social media across Ivy Foodie 2 or Gene Blum. And we'll see you next week. Have a great week.